everybody. This is new, part three, and this weekend in all of our services, this is our Connect Weekend, and man, oh man, I'm just so excited about Connect Weekend. I love the fact that over 140 of our connection groups are launching this weekend. Just an opportunity for us uh, to make it as easy of an on-ramp as we possibly can for people to get connected because, as you probably heard us say a time or two already this weekend, man, we just believe that true life change happens in the context of relationships. We really, truly believe that that's true. We believe that life is not meant to be lived alone that it's just better together we just believe that around here at next level church as a matter of fact uh an illustration of this uh, about a month ago uh, back mid-december um I, we, I had two tickets given to me for the miami dolphins versus new england patriots football game over in miami and so uh being the denver broncos fan that i am uh and and therefore the patriots not fan that I am, uh, I decided I, I would go. And so I took my, my 10-year-old son and uh, Drew, and so I said, you know, come on, buddy, let's go. And so, uh, again, being the, the Peyton Manning Denver Bronco fans that we are, we decided that even though they weren't necessarily playing, uh, that we were going to wear our Peyton Manning jerseys. And so uh, so we did. We 18 it up, and we put on our, our Peyton Manning jerseys. You know, we went over to Miami, and, and so as we're walking into the stadium, you know, everybody's kind of looking at us, and we're looking at all the Dolphins fans, and we're like, hey, it's orange, you know, right? And, and, and they understood we're there to, you know, be patriot haters as much as anything. And I looked at my 10-year-old at one point and I said, buddy, you're probably going to learn some new words today. That's okay. We'll pray about that. We'll pray about that later. It's okay, buddy. You just hold my hand. It's really tight. You just hold my hand. We're okay. It's okay. Long live the Broncos. So uh, anyway, so, you know, the game was, was a good game. And oh, that's right. I remember the Patriots lost to the Dolphins. Like, that's so awesome. And it just is like, oh, what a shame. Just like they're going to lose this weekend. Like, just the same, the same thing. Like, that's just the craziest. Like, that's like, like if they lost to the Dolphins. Anyway, so there we were, right? So, so we got the Broncos thing, you know, going and we're wearing our, our jerseys, you know, and, and all day long I was looking because I knew they were there. I knew I'd find them. You know, I'd find one. And so after the game, after the, uh, the, the uh, Patriots lost, uh, my, my son and I were, were walking around the stadium, headed back to the car, and that's when I, I saw him. And he saw me. And from across the concourse, our eyes met. <laughs> I can't do it with a straight face. <laughs> and the music began to play. Da-da-da, da-da-da. And his Peyton Manning jersey and my Peyton Manning jersey cried out to one another. And he looked at me and he went, I knew you were here. And I looked at him and I said, I knew you were here. And me and this stranger came across the concourse and I gave him a big hug and he spilled beer down my back. Because life is just better together. And in the same way, God, what? no, just kidding. <laughs> Jesus juke. Just kidding. <laughs> kind of. No, in all seriousness, th- though, right? Like, life is just better together. That, that uh, We believe here at Next Level Church, we just really, truly believe that God never intended for us to take this journey alone, that we need each other. And so this weekend in all of our services, I want us to, to look in, a, in an out-of-the-way sort of obscure passage of Scripture where a woman has a need. She has is, she is a, a need for a miracle in her life. 
And God intervened and showed up in a miraculous, amazing way for this woman in this story that we find in 2 Kings chapter 4. So if you have your Bible or a smartphone or a tablet device with a Bible app on it, I would love for you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And if you don't have either of those, that's okay. The verses are going to be on the screen. You'll be able to follow along there just fine, no problem. Uh, because I want us to look at this woman who had a need and how God showed up. And throughout this, this process, she kind of gained a new perspective, a new outlook, if you will, on her relationship. So let's begin reading. 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, who was like the, the senior prophet. Like he was like the big dog the preacher, the pastor of the day, if you will. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. She continues on. But now... His creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. So what's going on here? This woman who was married to another of the prophets, was, was, it, she and her husband suddenly dies. And so she goes to Elisha, who is the, the, kind of the head prophet preacher of the day. She goes to her local church, to her pastor, and she says, my husband died and now he, he owed a debt to this creditor. And now this creditor is coming, and if something doesn't happen, he's going to take my two boys as payment for the debt and turn them into slaves. And so you got to help me. Look at verse 2. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant, look what she says, Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except, and she remembers, except a small jar of olive oil. Verse 3. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. So she does, verse 5. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring when all the jars were full, verse 6, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. Verse 7, she went and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. What's going on? Here's what's happening. This woman finds herself at a place where she is in need. Her husband suddenly dies. And because he's indebted to this creditor, she comes to the pastor of the church and she says, I need a miracle. I need help. You've got to help me. And he says to her, what do you have? And her instinct, she says, I don't have anything. And then she remembers, oh yeah, I actually have a small little jar of olive oil. And he says, here's what I want you to do. Go to all of your neighbors, tap into your relationships and ask them for empty jars. And don't just ask for a few, ask for a bunch, as many as you can get. Get all of those empty jars and you and your son go in your house, shut the door behind you and start pouring what oil you have into those empty jars and God's going to miraculously do it. And so she does. And so she starts to pour the oil and one after another after another, her sons bring her the jars and she fills up the jars with oil. The next one, she fills it up, fills it up, fills it up, fills it up. Then she finally says, bring me another jar. And her son says, there's no more jars. That's it. They're all full. And in that moment, the oil stopped flowing. And so she goes back to the preacher of the day, the prophet Elisha, and she says, all the jars are full of oil. What do I do now? And he said, go and sell the oil, pay off the debt, and live on the rest. You guys, God did a miracle. God did the miraculous. He took the small little piece of olive oil that she had, 
and multiplied it to cover her need. God did the miraculous. And here's what I want us to understand this weekend, Next Level Church. The miracle we have need of in our life is found in our relationships. So if you have your bullets, and I would love for you to open it up all the way on the inside left flap, you'll find a few statements because I want to point out five observations from this story that I think have everything to do with us today living in our world in our day and age today. Five observations from this story that I want us to look at quickly. Number one is this. This woman had a crisis in her life. Make no bones about it. This woman had a crisis in her life. Her husband died. He left her with debt, and she was in trouble. And so what did she do? She went to her church. She went to her pastor, which was great. But what's interesting to me about this story is how Elisha, the pastor, responds. That he doesn't fix her problem. He doesn't give her a handout. He doesn't even take her in. Instead, he points her in two directions. One, he points her to look within. And he says, hey, Let's start with you. What do you have to offer? And isn't it interesting that this woman's knee-jerk response, which I think is so just like us today as well, so often is nothing, nothing. I have nothing to offer. And isn't that what we do so many times in our life? That when we hit crisis mode, when something happens in our life, the last place we seem to look is at ourselves. And instead, we're, we're instantly thrown off. And when someone, well, not, I don't have anything to offer. I don't have any, nothing. I have, well, I mean, I have this little jar of olive oil, but other than, I have nothing. She had more than she realized she had within herself. And it's interesting that Elisha, rather than fixing her problem, instead points her first to look within, and then secondly, he points her to her relationships. Notice this, number two, Elisha's advice was for her to seek out relationships. How was God going to provide the need? How was God going to do the miracle? Elisha's advice to her was, go find your friends. Seek out relationships. Listen, Next Level Church, we got to get this. We got to get this this weekend. One of the greatest myths that we believe in our world today, and so many of us in our life today believe, is that relationships in our life are optional, when in reality, they are oxygen. Man, we work with a lot of pastors and church planters and leaders and entrepreneurs. And, and anytime I get a group of leaders together or pastors and their wives, whatever, together, there's something amazing that, that happens. And suddenly there's this connection, these relationships with, that, that appears who come together and you see spouses of pastors who just start to relate to one another and they start to connect and they start to, you know, really just identify with one another. And, and, and church planters do the same and, and entrepreneurs do the same. There's something, something so powerful that happens when we get together in relationship. And every time that leaders get together like this, I always pause and I say to them, listen, you're going to go back to your life. And you're going to get busy in your church and in your ministry and in your world doing what you do and, and growing it and building it and making it happen. But listen, guys, don't ever forget that this is not optional. This is oxygen. And I believe it's possible that some of us have come in this weekend to one of our services. And you are suffocating in some area of your life. And you can't figure out why there's, it feels lifeless. Why it feels like it's, like it's dying on the vine. You feel like it, there's some area of your life that's suffocating. And can I tell you, it's, is it possible that the reason why some area of your life is suffocating and turning blue is because you don't have any relational oxygen flowing to it? 
Our relationships are not optional, though our world would convince us that they are. Our world, even though we have the appearance through social media of being more connected than ever, the reality is every, so many of us buy into this myth with it, well, I'll get around to my relationships if I have time and if I can fit it in. No, it's not an if. It is a must in our life. And see, our world has changed. If you rewind 60, 70 years ago in our culture, relationships were much more of a priority. Being relational with other people was such a priority. In fact, we built how we build houses today differently than we did back then. 60, 70 years ago, you would build a home with a front porch. You know why? So that after dinner was over and you cleaned the dishes, then you and your neighbors would go out and you'd sit on the front porch and others would walk up and down the street and you'd see a neighbor and you'd say, hey, how's it going? How's your job? How's the farm? How's the kids? How's the wife? And you just, you, you, there, there was relationship. Now, we build homes with back porches in lanai's. And listen, I get this. I'm, I'm a bit of a public figure, and so I live a pretty private life outside of this. But, and so I appreciate that. But here's the deal. Like, today, we have, we have built our life in our culture today to be private. We have garage door openers that some of us, you put it up as fast as you can, pull in, put the door down before you ever get out. Why? So you don't have to say hi to your neighbors. And some of us, the doorbell rings, and you're like, what was that? What was that? And some poor little 10-year-old neighbor girl comes walking up going, you want to buy cookies? You're like, no, we're not interested. <laughs> you live in a gated community and you're scared of the little girl selling cookies? Why? Because we live in a world that's paranoid of relationship. Here's the point, you guys. We got to get this. Listen. We live in a world that if we are not intentional about having something that is greater and better and more substantial than just surface level relationships, then it's going to be because we, we make it happen. It's not just going to happen in our world today. We have to be intentional about it. Number three, observation from this story, what was required from the relationships was minimal. I love this. The prophet tells her, okay, here's what you're supposed to do. Go to your friends, go to your neighbors, go to your relationships and ask them not for money, not for oil, not for food, not for supply. Ask them for an empty jar. That's it. All that was required from her relationships initially was open the door, hand her some jars. That's it. That's it. That, uh, be available, and here's an empty jar. And here's, here's what I think. I think it's possible that so many of us have come into this place this weekend to one of our services. And when you think about connection groups, when you think about putting yourself out there relationally, you have this feeling of, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I don't really want to, like, I don't want, like, that's a lot. It's an empty jar. All that is required of us is to be available and to offer our empty jar. Some of us, we, we've got this picture in our head of our connection groups or, or that you're like, yeah, but it's, 
I mean, is it going to, like, I don't want to go to something that's weird and it's like some guy who can't really play guitar, but he's going to play guitar and try and sing and lead us in worship. And it's going to be like four hours long and I'm not going to be able to leave. All our kids are going to be in the back room and it's like 87 degrees back there because there's no air. And they're going to be throwing crayons around watching reruns of Barney while somebody's praying really long prayers with bad breath. I don't want to go. And some of us think that that's what our connection groups are. It's not. And some of us, we have this, this impression in terms of relationship that we think, yeah, but I don't, I'm going through something really big right now. And like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be the needy person that's there. Just bring your empty jar. Watch what God does. Just bring your empty jar. I have a friend that a year or so ago went, came into a, a sudden crisis in relationships in his life. And just his world, his world just turned into a hurricane overnight. And yeah, I remember he called me and then he came into my office that day and sat down with me and he's just wrecked and he's just, just upset. And as we talked for a few minutes, I, I made the comment, I asked, or the question, I asked the question, I said, you know, who, do you have anybody, you know, who are, who are your friends? And he said, well, actually, you know, there's a group of guys who, we get together for breakfast and we have for the last year or two or three, like a long time, whatever it was. And he said, every Thursday morning we get together for breakfast and we talk business and we talk friendship and we talk all things life and we've been getting together for a long time. And it, this was a Wednesday. And I, I said to him, are you getting together tomorrow morning? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they are. And I said, well, are you going to go? And he, he hesitated and he said, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be that guy who comes in and, you know, is all like, I don't want to be this heavy thing that I'm going. And I said, this is exactly why you guys have been getting together all this time. It's not to talk business and talk all of, uh, yes, that's all great. But I said, listen, man, this is the whole reason why you have that group of friends. And if they're true friends, then they're going to come up under you and lift up your arms and support you and carry you and be your brothers in Christ with you through this storm that you're going through. And I've had the privilege of from a distance walking with this guy over the last year, more, whatever, however long it's been. And those, that group of guys have truly come to him and, and lifted him up and prayed for him and encouraged him. And he's been able to bring his empty jar in the midst of that group and see God just do the miraculous and fill it with oil. So listen, I, I don't know where you're at in that whole process, but here's what I think. I think when it comes to our relationships, it's just the minimum. It's just availability of opening the door and putting our empty jar out there. I think that's what God requires when it comes to relationships initially. Statement number four, something powerful happens when a bunch of empty jars get together. Fourth observation from the story, something powerful happens when a bunch of empty jars get together. I'm just telling you, listen, this is why. This is why we have interest-based connection groups. This is why we have in, uh, groups around kayaking and bunko. This is why we have groups around improv comedy and fitness and cooking. And, and I mean, you name it. Like, this is why we have so many, because the, the least common denominator of relationship is interest. And so this is the easiest possible way we know to get a bunch of empty jars together. There's something powerful. Listen, the oil of the Spirit of God flows in an environment where empty, willing jars are present. 
That's the power of our connection groups. It's not about kayaking or sewing or knitting or bunko or any of those other things. Listen, you know what it's about? It's about a bunch of empty jars getting together and letting oil flow. Oil throughout throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So anytime you're reading Scripture and you see the presence of oil, you see oil in there, especially in the Old Testament, but the New Testament as well, that is a picture of God's Spirit flowing in and being present. So think of this. Think of the magnitude of what this means in terms of this story. What it means is when a bunch of empty jars get together through relationship, the presence of God is in their midst. That's powerful. That's the power of relationship. And fifth, final thing, observation from the story. The miracle we need is found in our relationships. The miracle we need is found in our relationships. The woman's miracle didn't come from the pastor of the church. This woman's miracle didn't come in a weekend service. This, the, the woman's miracle didn't come from Elisha, the preacher that she saw all the time. You know where the miracle came? In relationship. And listen, I believe the same thing is true for us. Is it possible that the miracle you need in your life this weekend is out in that tent? Is it possible that the miracle we need in our life is in one of the groups that's in our magazine this weekend? Is it possible that in some area of our life where we have lack, the thing that's missing, the provision itself, is the relationships? This week, uh, I... I heard a story and a story that I had heard several months ago but was refreshed again this week as we were preparing for Connect Weekend of a woman who had been coming to the next level for quite a while and she was a she was a back row sitter and so one of our services she'd come in and she'd sit in the toward the back love what was going on and you know God was working in her life but was just distant and she had heard us talk about connection groups and she had heard us you know the magazine, the whole deal. And, and so she finally, but she kind of had a, a belief that it was kind of the kumbaya thing. And she was, you know, I don't want to do that. But she liked to kayak. And so she decided, she finally got the courage up to come to the kayaking connection group. And she came and kayaked with everybody. And when they got done, she got to hang out and meet some of the people and her observation was, wow, these people like aren't spooky, kooky, or weird. Like they're, they're normal. And then she had a chance to sit down and talk to the leader. And over the next few times of coming, she began to open up and share with that leader. And God began to flow into her empty jar. She started serving. She started serving at our Discover events. And today, she's not just sitting on the back row anymore. She's connected. The oil of God is flowing in her life. She's serving on some of our outreach connection groups. And God's using her life to impact others who are hurting and broken. Just like she was a few weeks ago. That's the power of connection groups. That's the power 
of some empty jars, making themselves available and getting together. So guys, here's what we're going to do. After all of our services, we're actually finishing a few minutes early so that there's time for us to go out to the tent and find the relationships. What need have you come into this place with this weekend? Is it possible that the provision you're looking for is right here? I believe it can be. Maybe you've come into this place this weekend and there's no great crisis, there's no great need in your life. Then perhaps God would want to use your empty jar to be the miracle this weekend for somebody else. See, the miracle, the provision, the power is found in empty jars coming together in relationship. Can we pray together? Come on, all across this place, every service, let's bow our heads. Spirit of God is here. Father, thank you that you're here. Thank you for a church that values relationship. God, thank you that you truly do dwell among us, God. Your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, you're there in our midst. And so, Father, we know that all semester long in our 140 plus connection groups that you are going to be in our midst. That's two or three gathering in your name, offering their empty jars, being available. So, Father, I pray for so many this weekend to have courage to take that step, to lean in, to prioritize their relationships, to stop seeing their relationships as optional and start seeing them as oxygen. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, that we have the ability to not live life alone, to get to live it with others. Jesus, we offer our empty jar this weekend, and we thank you for the miracle of provision that is in our midst. God, thank you for relationships. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone in every service who agreed said,